Welcome back to Your Real Source, the podcast about real estate, and this is episode 12. Very excited. We're going to have a special guest today, Chuck Reum, who has been president of My Real Source nine times and has a lot of history. We're going to go over the history to get ready for our 100th anniversary, which is next year. That's only about six months away. So before we get into that, we want to always make sure that you know that we have our pandemic curve graph available on our podcast website, which is yourrealsource.info. And let's go take a look at that. And you'll notice that uh, we have the same trend that's been consistent now for about 12 weeks, which is the number of new listings is lagging behind last year's new listings for the same week. And the number of uh, new pendings is up uh, over that from last year, as well as the number of solds. So we're short on inventory. So everybody go out there and list some new uh, houses, used houses, any house. We need more inventory. So that's the story. But go and take a look at the uh, graph. All right. I'm looking forward to getting our guest on the phone here. Wait. uh Oh, sounds like we have a question. Jake, do we have a question? Yes, we do. Dave, I recently had an in-detail discussion with another agent about things that should be included in the sale of the home. I stated the curtain rods had to stay with the home. The other agent stated the window covering should also be included. Who is right? Well, that's a very good question. And what makes it confusing is that the old-fashioned way of thinking about it is that anything that is attached to the real estate, screwed into the real estate, like the curtain rod is screwed into the wall, would stay. But then the curtains themselves that just hang on the curtain rods are not actually attached and therefore technically are not a part of the real estate and would not stay. What would happen that would confuse buyers is they think they're getting the curtains when they're not. Unless we as real estate professionals solve this problem for everyone and put it in the purchase agreement, clearly defined in the purchase agreement. So what we need to do is make sure that we do that as professionals and we have to make sure that we read other people's purchase agreements. So if you're a listing agent and somebody wrote a purchase agreement, you need to read each single purchase agreement because they're all going to come in differently. That was a very good question, and make sure that you ask us any other questions and go to our website, yourrealsource.info, and there's a place there where you can ask your question. Okay, let's see if we have uh, Chuck on the phone. Chuck, are you there? David, I am here. Definitely. No question about that. Well, this is very, very exciting. We've got Chuck Reum, who is one of our board of directors at uh, My Real Source and uh, has been president quite a few times. And he's been a huge reason why we've been so successful and why we've been around for almost 100 years, which is kind of the topic that we're going to have today is getting ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary next year in 2021 because we were started back in 1921 so chuck were you around in 1921 
Well, I was only I was only ten years old then, David, so I don't remember a whole lot. But actually, I didn't really start until two thousand. I'm sorry, 1923, which is when I was 14 years old. So that's fun. That's when you became a broker. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm a little. Yeah, it, it's I, I had took my test five times. It was hard to pass back then. But well, at 14, I can imagine that would be difficult. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. So, uh, 1921, <laughs> we were uh, started by a group of brokers. And before we get into the uh, specifics about that, I want to give people some fun facts that my crack team did. But before we do that, give us a little history, more the realistic history, Chuck, of when did you get in the business and things like that? Well, actually, I got my license, my salesman's license in 1968. And um, it's been continuous since then, became a broker in 1972 and opened up my first office. And um been in the business now for 52 years, which is a long time, I think. That uh, that that would make you an expert. I think we can call you an expert now. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate all the all the things you can say about me. I, I really do. But I um I've been around for like I said a long time. I've had uh, uh, three different companies, and um, I'm currently a Century 21 AAA North broker. I have four offices with approximately 145 agents. And we're doing quite well. We've come out of the pandemic fairly well, although we're still concerned about what the future, because that has not yet been decided, of course. I believe in training. I believe in working with my agents. I believe in helping people out the best I possibly can. Sometimes it's appreciated. Sometimes it's not. Is there anything else you want to know about me? Well, the thing that since here's the thing is that since we're talking about history and we're only talking about 100 years, you can cover 52 of those years. That's more than half. That's very true. Keep reminding me about that, David. Keep reminding me. And the fact, <laughs> and the fact that you've survived all kinds of great recessions and pandemics, and that also makes you an expert because you've survived everything. It's like riding a roller coaster. It you, is. Uh, get your ups and you got your downs, and sometimes the downs are pretty severe. But thank God, every time I was able to go down, I was able to get up again. So that was a big help. And yes, fifty-two years is a long time, and I. Um, Actually, I joined the Multiple Listing Service in 1986 and been active ever since then, of course, uh, as a director for uh, the last 34 years. And as a past president, actually, I think it was eight or nine times, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a real impressive fact that you've been president nine times. That's crazy impressive. Yeah, I think that's a record. I think I that would be. Yeah, another another eleven times would make it twenty times. So it'll take me to about probably two thousand forty three. That'll be fine. Okay. Now now we're gonna do the fun facts that uh, yes. my crack research team, Colleen and Tracy, did, and we'll run through these real quick. And starting a uh, hundred years ago in nineteen twenty, of course, women got the right to vote, and then right after that, there was prohibition. I don't know if they're connected in any way, but. That did start it. Yeah. And then in March, Warren G. Harding became the president of the uh, U.S. And also Alex Grossbeck was uh, governor of Michigan. So everybody remembers Grossbeck. I think there's a road named after him. It goes quite a ways to North Avenue, as a matter of fact. Right, right. And then for some baseball, in 1921 was the first time baseball was broadcast on radio. 
Wow. And then in 1921 was also the, when White Castle Restaurant was started, so that was the beginning of fast food. Harry Heilman and Ty Cobb were the two best hitters in 1921. They won the batting uh, league uh, uh, number one and number two with batting averages of 394 and 398, which is crazy good. But the Tigers didn't win the World Series or anything because they had lousy pitching that year. Kind of sounds like today. And then the uh, top movie in 1921 was The Kid with Charlie Chaplin. Oh, back to Ty Cobb. I forgot to mention that he played center field, but he was also the manager. So he was the manager and the center fielder all at the same time and uh, had a crazy good batting average. And then in 1921, the average income was $2,160 per year. And with that uh, income, you could buy a new car for $525. You could get a movie ticket for $0.15. You could buy gasoline for $0.33 per gallon. A postage stamp was $0.02. The average monthly grocery bill was $37.50. The average rent was $15 per month. And get this, the new house, a new house average cost was $6,296. It's amazing, isn't it, how times have changed? It is. So that sets the tone for what it was like when my real source started 100 years ago. Back to the actual MLS history. So 1921 was when a group of brokers got together and started the Eastern Detroit Realty Association or what they referred to as EDRA, E-D-R-A, EDRA. And then it jumps to 1966. They added the MC, and it became McEdra because they were bringing on more people in Macomb. And then in 1979, McEdra merged with the Metropolitan Listing Association. There was a bunch going on in 1979. 79 also is when they merged with the Macomb Multiple Listing Service, which were a group of brokers at the south end. And also they merged with the North Macomb Real Estate Brokers Association, which was on the north end, and they had been printing an MLS book called the Ready List. So, And then from 1980, so after all those mergers in 79, in 1980 they changed their name to the Michigan Multiple Listing Service. And I think, uh, Chuck, you remember that name, right? I certainly do. Yes. No question about that. It was, uh, it lasted until they changed it again, of course, but, um, it was a very, it was a very strong organization back then also as, as but it was owned at that time by, um, McComb. So and then, in we'll 19, that, I'm sure. and then in 1999, we have here that it was changed the name to real matrix. And after that is when they brought on. Photolink. So Photolink was a new software that allowed you to see photos. So before that, when in the 80s, we had, I think I remember, because I got in the business in 1980, we had dumb terminals. That's what we called them. We called them dumb, dumb terminals. And all you saw was a green screen with uh, green letters and no photos. Do you remember that, Chuck? I certainly do. I don't think I have one anymore, but yeah, that was something that we, um, and they were expensive too, as a matter of fact, going back at that time. Costs of a computer at that point was six, $7,000. That was a lot of money for nothing, for no memory, no nothing. Or very little memory, I should say, and very little space. 
Yeah, and you didn't have the photos, so I remember everybody would make sure to be at the office uh, when they delivered the actual MLS books because the MLS books would include a photo, at least one photo, so everybody would make sure to be there because I think it wasn't it every two weeks that they delivered the uh, books? Yes, they did, and you uh, weren't allowed to show anybody but your agents in the office. You couldn't give them away to uh, your prospective listers or sellers, and if you did and they caught you, you were fined or you were denied the book sale. No question about that. So when the books came to the office, it was for the uh, realtors to use only. They couldn't hand a book to their buyer and say, here, flip through this and see which one you want to buy. That's exactly right. So things have changed a lot since then. How long do do you remember when they stopped printing books? I believe it was back in late 80s, early 90s. That might be when we stopped doing the act of books. The, we still printed. Yeah. We still printed sold books until yeah. 2007 was the last. Yeah, year. but I'm talking about the actual book. Yeah, the, acti- the yeah, the actives. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you were involved in when we were trying to get away from the dumb terminals so that we could actually show photos online. I think you were the one that was involved in making sure we got computers instead of dumb terminals. Can you tell us how that went? Well, back in 1994, the IRS thought we had too much money as far as routine earnings were concerned. And they said, look, you're going to have to pay approximately four to $500,000 in taxes, which didn't sit well with the board of directors, of course, because we worked, we saved that money for the benefit of the agents and for the brokers. But uh, what happened was at that point in time, through our attorney, of course, uh, Jerry Fleury at the time, we uh, decided to compose a group of computers make and install and make them and give one to each broker that was involved in the multiple listing service, which brought our retained earnings down sufficiently, which we didn't have to pay any IRS taxes. So you guys gave away the computers for free? For free. Yes. Every broker got one. Wow. And that changed the whole concept of uh, photos and data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then they could see the photos online. Yes. Yes, they could. Yes, they could. I mean, they weren't today's caliber. Obviously, they were very, again, limited memory and limited in space. They were still good computers, and they were state-of-the-art at the time. So, Wow, and you were you were part of making that decision to, to do that? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, it was the first year I was president. Yeah, I was. Well, that, was I a, that was a big, bold uh, move. Well, we had to do something instead of giving money back to the government. We wanted to do something for the brokers, and that's exactly what we did. So, so that was in ninety four, nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety four, exactly, exactly. Wow. So, I know you were also uh, heavily involved in another big, big uh, change that happened in two thousand and eight. We started the Great Lakes Repository for data sharing. And I know, I think you were the one that signed the uh, original articles of incorporation for the Great Lakes Repository. So you've been around for a lot of the biggies, the big things that happened that in the history of my real source. Yes, the repository was just nothing but a twinkle in somebody's eye at the time. And we were at a convention, uh, which we went to every year, obviously, at that point in time. And we talked to a few vendors, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how the idea came forth. 
And uh, actually, um, I believe it was John Meesman was also the uh, person with me at the time. So we brought it back to the directors. That's exactly when it started. You were very much in favor of that. To be honest with you, David, you've done a great job in enforcing all this and putting it all together. And uh, I'll let you give all the stats on that. But at the same token, it was uh, the start of a complete data exchange from for all the brokers to see. And it's, it's made a great deal of difference to the state of Michigan. Yeah, we've grown it since 2008 when it started to uh, now we've got the data sharing that covers 92% of the realtors in the state of Michigan. So we've got a little bit of ways to go to get to 100%, but I know that's your goal and the board of directors' goal is to eventually get to that 100%. Yes, yeah, so and we're at a fantastic fantastic level at 92%, but that's because of your diligence and traces and the whole board and colleagues and everybody else's. So. That's something that I'm very proud of to say that I was a part of it. Yeah, that has really grown and it wouldn't have started to grow unless you had put it together in the beginning. So thank you for that. Oh, you're quite welcome. One thing that we did uh, after putting the Great Lakes Repository together is then we moved on from Homescape. We retired Homescape, which was kind of the leftover vestige of uh, PhotoLink in uh 2010 and then we started right. started using uh, paragon and uh, paragon has been uh, added to and we built all kinds of integrations in paragon and today i think it's fantastic how much we've integrated brian alford uh, has done a fantastic job helping us get everything integrated getting all the data shares in getting the mls's that we vendor we started vendoring. Our first MLS that we vendored was in 2010. So 2010, another big year. That was the first time we vendored another MLS. And now today we're vendoring seven other MLSs, and we've got uh, discussions going with a couple more. So that was a big year. It what was a- indeed. And I, I want to say that I'm glad you mentioned Brian because he's done a tremendous amount of t- put a tremendous amount of time into putting all this together. He uh, truly has a genius mind, but don't tell him that because he'll get a big head and we don't want that to happen. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's the mad scientist that helps us put all these wild and crazy ideas together, not only in the various different forms of data sharing that we do, but also in the, the different type of uh, vendoring other MLSs because sometimes people will say, well, I want to do it this way. Well, that's never been done before, but we end up doing it anyways. You know, what's never been done before, you have to be creative about everything, put it together, and it will be done. No question about that. And I want, I want to think, personally thank Brian for helping tremendously in doing what we've accomplished. Yeah, he's been fantastic. So we've covered, I think, a lot of the big items. What do you think uh, is in uh, the future? For, do you think my real source, because we're broker-owned, do you think we got a chance to survive for another 100 years? I would think so, and I, I probably won't be around for the last 50 of those. But uh, but you will be uh, for the next 50, eh? You know, oh, naturally. I can't. I got to watch what's going on, for heaven's sakes. But, uh, no, I think our our strength is in the fact that we are broker owners. And I do believe that there is nothing else in the state, very few. I don't know if there's another one in the country that's close. I think Chicago has one, do they not? I think that there's other uh, broker-owned MLSs. I think there's some down in uh, Georgia. I think there's some out in Washington state. 
There right. are there are a few others, but yeah, we are definitely in the minority, but we're the only one in the state of Michigan. Exactly. And we I do believe that we're going to be very strong for the next 100 years. I believe that our message to all the brokers is there. You are a part of it. You, you Without you, we wouldn't be what we are. So thank you, brokers, also. I appreciate that. All right. Well, Chuck, do you have any last uh, words or, of wisdom before we uh, wrap this up? Well, the only thing I want to say is I want to thank uh, you and Tracy because you guys have done a great job. We have a great staff with Colleen and Brian. Yeah, it's just it's just totally amazing. Debbie does a great job in education. Yeah, Debbie's uh, done a great job with education, especially this year having to move everything from being face to face to moving it to be online. That was a big job. No question about that. We people don't know the strength of the caliber of people we do have, but believe me, we have a great, great, great position as far as our employees are concerned. So and um, and, and Ta- Taylor's done a great job uh, as well with. Uh, also moving a lot of stuff online, doing stuff with the, the YouTube, the mixing it up uh, with my real source that uh, Taylor and uh, Colleen d- have been doing, which again is new this year because of the pandemic. So a lot of a lot of new things going on. And if you haven't listened to the earlier podcasts that where we have talked to uh, uh, Taylor, we've talked to Colleen, we've talked to Tracy, we've talked to Debbie. Go back and listen to the uh, previous uh, podcast to hear more about them. And, you know, Taylor, you brought up Taylor, and I apologize for not bringing her up before, but she's trained so many agents in the art of photography. And these agents now really appreciate what she's done. And she's a very, very intelligent young lady when it comes to that. Photography is her, is her key. No question about that. All right. Well, we'll probably ask you back to talk about our 150th uh, anniversary since you promised you'd still be here. So oh, yeah. Yeah. we'll we'll get that scheduled and we'll uh, do the podcast with you uh, 50 years from now. Okay. That sounds good. We can probably do it for our 100th anniversary too and, if you want to. Uh, yeah. Well, that's right. We'll do one for the 100th anniversary, which is next year. We'll have to make some uh, big plans uh, for a, a, a big anniversary with 100 candles on the cake. I think that's a great idea. I think we need to do that and really push that and support it and be ecstatic about it, and we will be, no question. Okay, thanks a lot, Chuck. My pleasure, David, and uh, thanks thanks to everybody on the staff, and uh, you guys have all done a great job, and I appreciate that very much. All right, thank you. Take care now. I want to thank Chuck Reum for that interview. It was very interesting covering the uh, history of my real source. I also want to thank our crack research team, Colleen and Tracy for all the fun facts that we had in there. They gathered those as related to 1921. So make sure that uh, if you have any questions, go to our podcast. You want to see our pandemic curve graph, go to our website. If you would like to link to our YouTube channel. You can do that from there as well. And that's it for today. And remember, it's not the source if it's not your real source.